You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Shreddy Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim my whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. I thought that this time, this year, I was going to be really, really excited for the Super Bowl. But for the last couple of weeks, <laughs> depression has fallen on this household because of the Falcons' loss a few weeks ago. So, are you excited for the Super Bowl, Holly? I'm into the commercials. First of all, can I make a comment on that? Do you even know what football is, Brit O'Yo? Yes, I do. <laughs> you cannot live... With my husband, and not know what football's all about. So we have changed you. You, you are. Have. I love You've it. changed me. I call football mm-hmm. soccer now, mm-hmm. and football football. Do you know? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And it's awesome. Yes, I I pretty much know what's going on. It's taken me a long time. You cannot live with my husband without knowing all about it. Because I know. even if you don't want to know about it, mm-hmm. you're gonna get the verbal in your ear. As he watches all Saturday and all Sunday. Oh, yeah. And what is it on Monday nights and mm-hmm. Thursday as well? Mm-hmm. Saturdays. Freaking and- day. But here's a question. Well, you know, do you really think, I don't understand, do guys really think that the louder they yell and scream at the TV, the easier it will be for the players and the coach to hear them? Well, maybe. But here's also another thing. Your husband comes over and watches... <laughs> football with my husband yep. which is which is great and sometimes you come Sorry. too which is wonderful and we have a great time yeah and but sometimes at each time sean comes over to watch <laughs> his team loses so <laughs> are you saying we're not invited anymore no 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 he has now said he's not going to come over to watch football anymore because now it's bad luck if he comes over to watch football yeah. his team and i said tim but wait a second you've watched yeah. football here a lot and your team has won a lot and what they won they won the they won the nfc division did they they were the division champs weren't they, were. they? wait yeah they won the Right, but they won the division championship. I had to ask our producer, who's a guy. They won the, di- and he was here. I wasn't here. Maybe he it's was me. here. <laughs> but all through those games, yeah. my husband could not sit down. He was pacing up and down, it's knocking on wood, knocking on wood, knock, 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 knock. Oh, I knock. thought it was just more people coming over. No, he was no. <laughs> he was. He knocks on wood because he hopes that when he knocks in a certain way, that that's going to be good luck. Um, mm. And he paced up and down. That was and- exercise. <laughs> what with the pizza and everything. Anyway, so the Super Bowl is coming up. Yes, we're excited. About the commercials. About the commercials, but not about who really gives a rip de doo about the Ravens. <laughs> well, and versus the the, I'm having a hard time, like, what to do. Ravens, 49ers, I don't know, because the 49ers knocked out Atlanta, so I want to root against them. But then again... There's the Ravens. Well, I'd rather and, have the Ravens than the 49ers. But here's what was explained to me as a total girl. Now, this is a girl watching football, right? This is a girl watching football. What was explained to me is the 49ers are a nicer team, that they're more decent. Like the Ravens, okay, Ray Lewis, let's just be real. He had some issues. 
I know this is his last year. And think about the the 49ers. Their quarterback has only played 10 professional games. And he goes oh, to the Super Bowl. That's kind of cool. Listen to my husband about that. Oh, Who no. does this quarterback think he is? He, he thinks he's he a Super Bowl in, quarterback. He just plays his 10 games, and now he's in the Super Bowl. Right? Blah, 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 Apparently blah. he's good. That's who he thinks he is. Um, but see, that's what I'm saying. And I hear that the 49ers, they're very nice. The coach is nice. They're nice. And the Ravens, I, didn't think, did I thought see? the coach of the 49ers isn't very nice. But don't you know that two, both coaches, coach of the Ravens and mm-hmm. the coach of the 49ers, they're brothers. I know Jim Harbaugh used to play for the Chicago Bears. Woo, woo. Now, now you sucks, can see how much yeah. I know about this. Here's the deal. I didn't realize I would get so heated and excited about this. Apparently, I do care about the game. So do I. Mm-hmm. But also what I like about the fact that after the Super Bowl, <laughs> it's done. Football season's over. <laughs> Now we've got boring couple of months of basketball, which really does. I'm sorry. I'm I'm now becoming more into football. I'm more into football. Oh, I yeah. like it. Me too. Basketball, I can't. I'm sorry. Can't do it. Can't go there. Really? Cannot go there. Even a live game? Nope. Don't care. Don't give a rip really? to you, Dar. Nope. It's back and forth, back and forth. It actually is fast. Don't care. It's not like golf where uh, you're like, oh, wake me up when you're ready to Golf's much hit. better. Love it. Really? Went to see Tiger Woods play. Yep. In person at Eastlake. Um, love Golf, golf I, is 12 minutes of action for four hours of standing in the sun. No, but with Tiger Woods, you get everything because you get the best well, that's story what they too, say. don't you? That's what a lot of people say. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say that's what she <laughs> said. <laughs> that's what she said. Which one? Which one of the many copious amounts of girls said it? Oh, boy. Um, anyway, so, well, here's the deal. I'm in it for the uh, commercial, so. Happy uh, Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Yes, yes, and eat good food. Anyway, so what else is going on? You know, um, not to totally bring this down, but... Um, Really, uh, I wanted to talk to you about a, a really sad story out of Houston. Um, of course, you know, dog bite, an unfortunate accident, and uh, a child dies. Yeah, he was four years old. He's playing with his sister um, in the backyard, and he climbed over a chain-link fence into the neighbor's yard, and the dog that attacked him was chained, <clears throat> but the dog was able to reach the boy. Mm. I don't know whether the dog broke his chain or the chain was long enough for the dog to go and get the boy, but unfortunately... The sister was able to get the dog off him, but then she brought her brother back over the fence, and then um, the mum called 911. Boy was rushed to hospital, but he, he mm. died. And, I mean, this is a terrible, tragic incident. But, we're, it, but seems it seems like hi- we're hearing them. Look, it highlights a massive problem. 26% of all fatalities from dogs on humans mm-hmm. come from chained or routinely chained dogs. Why is that? This is huge because... Dogs that are kept outside for most of the time mm-hmm. are poorly socialized. Mm. They're not part of the family unit. <clears throat> right. There's an incredible frustration for these dogs because all they do all day is spend their day at the end of a chain. I think what it would be like if you did the same. No mental stimulation, no physical exercise, no social interaction. So what do you do? You bark at people going past. You dig holes. You're, you chew on things. You get frustrated. You get highly reactive whenever you see anything. That your response to that is a lot more than it would ordinarily be. And then when somebody comes onto your property, there's such frustration there that that frustration can turn into aggression. Oh, I bet you this is what happened mm-hmm. to this boy now in a lot of counties <clears throat> a lot of states in this country chaining your dog is a felony you are not allowed to chain your dog for precisely this reason for protection because it's cruel yeah and because it can exacerbate aggressive response but too many people still do it and of course in a lot of states a lot of counties still it's not a felony so 
this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to have a dog, and a lot of people just get dogs for protection and because it looks good, and and these dogs live miserable lives at the end of the chain. And today's guest is going to talk more about it. I'm excited to have her on, but I, I'm just it just highlights the fact that we've got to do something about this. Since 2003, 343 children have been mauled or fatally injured by chained dogs, which is completely unacceptable. I mean, uh, we can fix that behavior, and I know that you're doing a lot with um, dog bites and prevention. Um, and your Miami Dog Bite Conference, April 26th? Yes. And tickets are on sale now, I understand, yes? They are. So if you want tickets, uh, positively.com slash D, D as in dog, B as in boy, C, DBC. So Miami Dog Bite Conference, April 26th, positively.com slash DBC. And you talk about that. You, you talk about chaining we dogs, do. talk about all issues. We talk of about dog all bite. issues, but we also talk about how to recognize body signals, dog language. I mean, we, how to educate kids, how to educate your fellow adults, how we talk about aggression, how to deal with what is aggression? Why? Why do dogs aggress? We talk about how to deal if you have an aggressive dog in your home, how to deal with that. So there's a lot of information, not just about how to investigate dog bites. We have the wonderful Jim Crosby, who is a dog bite investigator, forensic dog bite investigator, as well as being a great trainer. And actually, he's joining our Victoria Still Positive Dog Training team, which is fantastic. But um, he talks about how to investigate dog bites. It's great for animal control to come along um, for police officers and also, we have Claudine Wilkins, who's an attorney who deals with dog bite cases. Um, and it, it's just a, it's a really good day of really interesting, very helpful information that can help you if you're an animal professional, if you're a dog owner, if you're a medical professional, if you're a veterinarian, we encourage you to come. And uh, our guest today, Jennifer Shryock, um, she also uh, is very active in dog bite prevention. Yes, today she's going to be our guest on the Positively Hotline. I cannot wait to talk to this woman. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. Answer the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! On the hotline today, we have Jennifer Shryock, and she is the um, a certified behavior consultant and owner of Family Paws, LLC. She's situated in Cary, North Carolina, holds a degree in special education. She's also the U.S. VP of Dog Gone Safe, and we're going to learn more about Dog Gone Safe. I'm a Dog Gone Safe presenter. Dog Gone Safe is a nonprofit dedicated to dog bite prevention and victim support. She has two programs, Dogs and Storks and the Dog and Baby Connection. Um, and these are specialized programs for new and expecting families with dogs, which offers a range of support to families and dog professionals, childbirth professionals to support success between babies, toddlers, and dogs. And, of course, we've been talking about the what devastating consequences of reckless dog ownership, irresponsible dog ownership, chain dogs, and... Um, also, sometimes the terrible accidents that can happen. But I think these programs are so important. So, Jennifer, welcome. Jennifer, Thank you so much for having me. Tell me you just don't do windows because you do everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm sorry. I said, tell me you don't do windows because you do everything else. You've got a million things going on for dogs. I love that. Oh, yes. No, I don't do windows. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> I feel better. You do have a million things going on, and I'm so excited about it. But you know what? It doesn't feel like a million when you really love what you do. I know you guys mm. understand that. Um, this is such a passion of mine um, from very young age, and, you know, it kind of combines all my passions of working with dogs and children and New and expecting families, so it's it's a terrific meeting of the minds, meeting of the of both my passions. So I love it, Jennifer. Um, let me ask you this and start off with the news. Recently, we heard about this this uh, child who I guess it was it was it in Houston yeah, or somewhere, a little boy that he jumped a fence to see the neighbor's dog. The neighbor's dog was chained up. The dog they say was very sweet. He was a family dog, I guess. I don't know, but the dog bit the the child. The, the the brother, the sibling, or the sister found the boy, got him to the hospital, but the boy died. And so I know everyone's horrified. It's that story you just don't want to hear. But if you would, I mean, talk a little bit about that, because I know that's what you do, uh, yeah. you know, as far as... And, you know, the big issue is the dog was chained up in the backyard. Um, so can we talk about that first? Because I know that's on a lot of people's minds this week. Absolutely. Um, this is actually something that's very near and dear to my heart. I actually have a pit bull who was chained up for the first five years of his life before we adopted him. And um, the difference between, I, I often refer to um, resident dog versus family dog, and he is the spokes dog for the National Canine Research Council uh, you know, as an example of that. Dogs that are chained out in the backyard really don't have as much exposure and as much familiarity with the, hu- you know, the whole dynamics of children and that environment. They're restricted by the chain. It is one of the most dangerous situations, and it's so unfortunate that this child, for whatever reason, was, you know, able to actually reach this dog. We don't know the circumstances, you know, again, as far as the treatment of the dog, the, you know, nourishment of the dog, the condition, the, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, as we learn those details, it, it gets really more interesting. What I look for are patterns, and in this type of pattern, you know, we really have to educate about chain dogs often are not included in the family home dynamic. So they're not really as familiar with odd behavior of children. And we don't know what this boy might have done, you know, to, to go and engage with a dog that would, could have been potentially extremely fearful, you mm-hmm. know. And now he's contained and cornered, and it is just a horrific situation, and my heart goes out to this family, especially that 9-year-old who really, you know, I, I, I just that's just devastating. It's, I, I just really feel for her as well. And, what a you, position to be in at nine. And, and a dog chained, what's the danger of a dog chained? I mean, do they feel vulnerable? Do they and tend to be aggressive just because they feel like they can't get away from somebody? What is it about a chained dog that makes them dangerous? Right. So for me, I look at the, the reason for the chaining is the dog, I think, chains are restricted, you know, restrict dogs. And therefore, you know, you have to look at the purpose of the chaining. Is this dog just kind of a token dog? Is it something just that is out there as an example of, look what we have, you know, but it's not really included in daily life. So when they're outside of the environment, excluded from the in-home stuff, that chain is usually what, you know, that's usually all they know. That's usually their own little circle space of what they know. The other aspect of it is, you know, again, what kind of social interaction, but the confinement not being able to escape, also, too, the potential for a child to get tangled up in that tie-out or chain is incredibly high and dangerous, throwing a kid off balance, making it much more vulnerable, 
especially if this dog is fearful. So the cornering, the fear, the lack of being able to escape, all those things are really a disaster for just a really sad outcome. Mm. And it's yeah. it's really unfortunate. We need more education to kind of prevent these situations. And I think that's why your programs are so important because it's all about education, isn't it? Could you tell us about Dogs and Storks and Dog and Baby Connection? Right. So Family Paws Parent Education Programs, which houses those two programs, is geared towards, I believe passionately, that if we can start planting seeds for families before they even have a baby, we have a really good head start into educating the next generation. So when I talk to parents about body language, even if they walk home, you know, walk away with one or two things like, oh, you know, that's a signal of indication of stress or that gets them thinking and gets them coming back for education and support from someone who specializes in that. Boy, we are ahead of the game. So I really wanted to reach out to people before they had their baby so we plant those seeds and that they come back for support. And that is my passion, is if we can start getting people before an incident has happened, you know, I think then we've been successful. So that is the mission of Dogs and Storks, is to increase safety, decrease stress and fear, and really provide people with positive and practical solutions that are safe techniques that everybody can do in their own home. See, I um, think I think that's really pertinent because... Um, When we do my dog bite conferences, which we do around uh, the United States, Joey and Carrie Perk, who have set up the Liam Perk Perk Foundation, um, come and speak too, and they tell us their story of the day that their Weimarana um, uh, unfortunately bit their son. And it was what they didn't realize is that they didn't read the signs before. Now, this wasn't a dog that bared its teeth and growled at their son. This wasn't. This was a dog that would sit a lot of times with its back to the child or would sit just facing the door. There were various little signals, such subtle signals that, that not subtle for the dog, but and for people who understand canine language, but for people who don't, they didn't recognize those signs and signals before the incident. Now, after the incident happened, then they suddenly began to think, why and did this happen? And then they began to, okay, now we get it. Now we understand. He was trying to communicate to us, but we just didn't get it. We didn't know. And it's heartbreaking, Victoria, to me. I've had cases where the dad's on the phone in tears crying to me saying, I feel like I failed my dog. I feel like I failed my child, and I said, I feel like we failed you. It's our role. I want so much because in one conversation, he was able to say, you know, I did see those signs. I didn't know what it means, and this is why especially more than dogs and storks, the dog and baby connection is the program that needs to be out there. It focuses on the subtle body language where the dogs, I photoed sequential, where you see the eye movement and the ear movement, And it's a sequence, and people go, oh, you know. People wait for the growl or they wait for the obvious because they really, truly don't know better. And so I don't like to judge because I was one of those people, too. I've I've come a long way myself. So, you know, we all learn, and I love to accept people exactly where they are and say, hey, you know what, it's okay, but let's guide you. Let's learn from this point on. It's okay where you are. But look how well you're going to do now that you have this information. It is so empowering. And, Jennifer, is your program nationwide? I mean, if somebody 
somebody's listening in, you know, Miami, Florida, or in Portland, Oregon, and they, you know, want to know they're about to have a baby or they have a small child and a dog, how do they get your information? Well, you mentioned two areas. We definitely do. We have Great. presenters in 40 different states and seven countries, and we are looking to spread this education far and wide. I'm excited to team up with you, Victoria, as well. I think we've got a really great group of people involved in the programs and sharing this positive message. And so this is a really nice opportunity. I'm I'm just very excited to um, collaborate a bit together with this. Me too. Um, And it's so, so needed and so vital. Um, Tell us a little bit about the Dog Gone Safe. Now, of course, I'm a Dog Gone Safe presenter. I, in my spare time, go into schools, all kinds of schools. I talk to mostly elementary school children, really up to the age of about um, 11, 12, and from five, five years to 11, 12, because we know that really is the kind of crucial time when kids most likely to be bitten. And I, a, I love what I do. I also think Dog on Safe is, a, is, is just a great presentation. But these kids, they drink it in. And what I've, what I've noticed is that when I do these presentations is that, you know, you might say to ask the question, as I do sometimes, ah, oh, so if, if a dog rolls on its back, does it want its tummy rubbed? And, you know, the kids are like, yay. And I go, well, not always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they, you know, and you realize, I realize how much children don't know. I mean, gosh, adults don't know it. So the kids don't have a chance. So, and I love it after I've done these presentations, I hear from the teachers, I hear, I get thank you letters from the kids. They go back and they tell their parents. They do. They do. And, you know, there's an exercise that I do. I love Dog on Safe. I always, um, I always talk to kids about, you know, how do we, how, you know, who likes to be a detective? And they all raise their hand and I say, okay, well, we're going to learn to be doggy detectives today. And the, the thing is, dogs give us clues about how they're feeling through their ears, their eyes, their tail, their muzzle, how they're leaning forward, back. So, and we use that throughout the program, ears, eyes, tail, muzzle, get them to chant, it's fun. But that's something that I do. Um, one of the other things that I do, Victoria, and I, I mean, this is a phenomenal exercise to do, and I highly recommend people do this. If you get three kids to, to practice, be down, they know how to be happy dog. You ask any kid, show me happy dog, and they all stick their tongues out and pant. So you get three kids to be a dog, three people to be a handler, and then three kids to act, just go up and greet them. Like they might rudely go up and greet. And the happy dogs that are on their knees, so they have their tongues out hanging out, and when these people approach them, instantly their tongue goes in and they pull away. And so I then ask the dogs, the people who pretended to be the dog, what were you feeling? And they say, you were in my space. You were too close. I was uncomfortable. And it really gives a great visual, and especially the kids that get it. So then we talk about, well, how might that go better? How might that feel better? You know, how what would a better approach to be? You know, how did you feel being low to the ground and someone rushing up to you? And it it's great visual and it's great video and it's it it absolutely in that moment it's amazing how fast kids pull their tongue in from happy dog to hmm 
<laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a fun thing that I love doing. Yeah, and I think I, I, I love that. And I, I also think, you know, you can talk to children all you want. You can sit them down in a classroom and you can say, you mustn't do <laughs> yeah. this, you mustn't do that. But until these kids can physically experience it themselves and see it, yeah. and see it themselves, they're not going to get it. That's why I think Dog Gone Safe is so good. So for people out there, if you're interested in having a Dog Gone Safe presenter come to your school, then um, please go on to doggonesafe.com. I think it's .org or .com. It's um, .com, doggonesafe.com. Doggonesafe.com yeah. and um, find if there's a doggonesafe presenter near you. Or inquire to become one because it's really mm-hmm. meant for anybody to be able to pick up and run with. That's one of the benefits of that program. Yeah. And before we go, Jennifer, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to ask you about dogs and storks. What kind of things do you teach? I mean, if somebody, you know, a young couple gets married, they have a dog, maybe that, you know, a lot of people do that. They get married. Let's see if we can handle a dog before we handle children. Mm-hmm. Um, or they say, hey, we're pregnant. Wouldn't it be great to have a dog and a baby grow up together? Which, you know, they don't realize they're out of their minds. But um, <laughs> so just, you know, what, what do you teach them in, in and, you know, what's the purpose of that? What can they learn to make sure that they don't end up getting to a point of dog gone safe where they don't understand dogs? Well, what we really do is try to introduce them to um, some of the basic things. Um, I feel, I actually feel with most of our program, um, <laughs> they come and they have expectations of what they think they're going to learn. Like, should we carry a doll, play baby sounds, do all these things? But what they come and learn in our class is more about attention-seeking behaviors, decreasing those, learning your dog's sensitivities. I'm amazed how many people don't know their dogs, so we role-play, do a bunch of activities with that. We also do... Um, um, some of the things that lead to the most distressing behaviors, so for attention, decreasing attention seeking before a baby <clears throat> arrives is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing their dog's sensitivities, knowing what motivates their dogs and what reinforces their dogs is key. And I find that many of these people who come to our classes took an obedience class one time for six weeks, never did anything else, mm-hmm. and so we have to really do a refresher. So we go through a whole lot of different things, just trying to get them to touch tap in. Yeah. We also focus on their dog's sensitivities, learning their dog's learning style. For That's the way I put it. Learning style. How do they take in their environment? Are they motion sensitive? Sounds, there's a lot of different things we do. So those are some, I mean, just briefly, very briefly, that is some of what we do. And then we do cover all the other basic things, why you might do this, why you might do that, and how we can help you with that. Sounds great. And for people who want to know more about this, where do they go? They can go to familypaws.com. We have webinars. We have a lot that's on there for free. Um, we have a dog and baby support hotline for people who need immediate help and have questions. And we will we research anybody we hook. Our, our purpose is to set people up with people who are going to be like-minded in our training philosophy and um, willing to work with us. So we really want to build that network. So people can call us at our dog and baby support hotline, and we will try our very best to get them the help and support that they need right away. Oh, what a great resource. You're doing great things, Jennifer. We really appreciate you. I really appreciate you guys, too. So I'd love to do more, and I'm so thankful for you inviting me today. Could you just uh, give us the toll-free um, dog and baby support hotline number, please? Yes. I can do this. Let me, <laughs> let me pull that up. Of course she so can. so many numbers in my head. Bear with me one minute. And I you apologize. Know, we can also put a link on yes, our uh, on the website, positively.com slash podcast, so that people, Absolutely. if they don't have a pen right now, or they're out walking their dog while they're listening, they can get back and see it. Yes, and that 
toll-free number is 1-877-247-3407. And I'm proud to say we have many Victoria Stillwell positive dog trainers on board with our team as well. So we're very happy about that. I think it is it is great that you're doing this and so needed. Um, and, you know, I also want to stress to people, this isn't just about dogs biting. This isn't about fatalities. This isn't about maulings. This is, this is positive. L- looking at the relationship between you and your dog and just keeping the whole family safe around the dog and the the kids so that they understand what it's like to be around dogs and what it's like to to maybe understand a bit of canine language that's why i love your program because it doesn't center on oh my gosh this dog's going to bite you and scare no. kids or that's parents right. it's 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 more of a positive bent on it which is what which i which is why i think it's so good yes yes and and our whole goal is if we can help parents to understand the whispers of communication their dogs offer their dog, if their dog knows their parents have their back, as I say, when in doubt, check mom out. We do an awful lot of catchy phrases, phrases so that our families can successfully regain, you know, have their dog know that they can check in with mom. She's going to give them direction. She's going to give them something to do or get them out of that situation for offering the subtle signals versus ever having to escalate. So that is our primary goal and mission. Great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm sure we'll be checking in with you again sometime soon. Absolutely. You guys take care. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jennifer. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they, they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just, Just ask Victoria. Okay, let's start out, Vic, with a question from the home of the Baltimore Ravens, since we were talking earlier in the podcast about the Super Bowl. And this is from Kathy, and she says she has a three-year-old miniature poodle that has suddenly begun peeing in the house on the sofa on the carpet. No new animals have come into the house, no new people. The only thing different is that I had my bathroom remodeled and my two poodles stayed in the kitchen with my mom for five days during the day. My dogs are wonderfully behaved. Help. First of all, I'm a little confused. She made her mom stay in the kitchen for five days? (laughs) Poor mother. (laughs) Um, But obviously it sounds like that maybe during the day the dogs were corralled with her mom in the kitchen so she can watch them. Maybe this is trauma, but Mm. when when something occurs like this that's out, that's not normal, then I always, that's my first port of call is to go to the veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Has she been to the veterinarian? It Did didn't she say? say, so yeah. maybe the first thing is that. I, I would absolutely tell you because, you know, she could have a urinary tract infection. She could have something that is making her pee. If she gets uh, a, I mean, she's healthy and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong, then potentially it could be trauma. You know, when you have people coming in and out of your sure. house. Yeah. And you hear probably you the three modeling. Yeah. And the, yeah, and then one of the ways that dogs show their anxiety is through peeing. Another reason why is it, there are two dogs in the home. It can be sometimes scent marking, mm-hmm. competition, and scent marking, marking always sort of signals your kind of ownership of a territory or a location or a certain resource. I've had dogs that scent mark their food bowls mm. that they'll eat and then they pee on their food bowls. 
because that's them saying this is this is mine mm-hmm. and urine contains pheromones and basically that's the way that dogs communicate so it's a really important method of communicating who you are and also your internal feelings i would suspect that this is a medical issue and so take your dog to the veterinarian and see where you go from there just because it came on so quickly yeah now do you you have a new book coming out and it's called train your dog positively um it comes out march 19th and uh, i know that now you can pre-order it at positively.com slash books. Um, do you deal with kind of uh, the issue of peeing, urinating yes, around the house? I do. Okay, I do. good. So, uh, Kathy in Maryland, take your dog to the vet. And if it's not, uh, I would pre-order her book, uh, Train Your Dog Positively, positively.com slash books, because you do talk about that if it's another issue. And also, you can always email us back once we know if it's a vet uh, question or not. If it's a behavioral question, send us another uh, email. Okay, here is one from Angelo in Ackworth, Georgia. And Angelo says, Our seven-year-old Minpin wakes up two to three, sometimes even four times throughout the night, wanting to eat. She was checked by the vet and shows no medical problems. We tried changing her diet. Nothing works. We cannot let her continue to bark because she wakes up the baby. Any advice? Well, you're you're reinforcing the behavior by allowing her to eat. Uh, whether she wakes up the baby or not, I know what it's like to have a young child there and everything's got to be quiet. I get it. I've been in that situation myself. So I understand when you have a baby, you just don't want anything, anything to wake that baby up, especially in the night. But um, you're not going to get a solution until you stop reinforcing the behavior because now she knows if she gets up and she barks, you eventually will go feed her. So how about this? How about one of you take baby to your mum's house or a friend's house, spend the week there, sleeping there. I don't know if you can do that. And then the other one, spend a week de- uh, um, going through nighttime training, mm-hmm. which is basically allowing the dog to bark. Like a baby. You like know, a, a baby. baby. If they exactly. cry themselves to sleep, yeah. it stops after a couple of days. Yes. And... um I think that that's going to be your solution. But also, what is your dog doing throughout the day? Because I suspect with a new baby in the house, the dog is not getting as much attention as the dog normally got. And this dog's 70 years old. So I would suspect that that's the case. And if that is the case, then make sure that your dog has plenty of exercise throughout the day, plenty of mental stimulation, so that it's so tired by nighttime Mm -hmm. that it sleeps. And it sleeps on a fuller belly. So certainly littler dogs can have more than just two meals a day. Again, sometimes if you feed them more, then they toilet at different times. So you've got to be aware of that. But feeding smaller portions, maybe spreading it out throughout the day, four times a day rather than just twice, can allow that dog to feel full. And then feeding really high-quality food because... A lot of the grocery store brands you can get out there, a lot of the very famous brands, as I've said before, are really not nutritionally good. And if you get a really good food, it's nutritionally dense and the dog doesn't feel as hungry. So I would research your options about food that will really fill this dog up. And I think if you do a mixture of that, you're going to be fine. I have a great Victoria Still Positive dog trainer called Melanie Phillips, actually in the in Ackworth. So you can contact her um it's Delightful Dog Professional Dog Training. 
is her company. And if you want to email her, you can um, you can contact her by emailing her at Melanie Phillips, which is M E L O N Y P H I L L I P S at gmail dot com. And good luck. Okay. Next one is from Kate, and Kate says she's a big fan, huge fan. Uh, we have an eleven-month-old border collie. He gets aggressive, submissive. He makes moany, growly noise, shows teeth. When my mom gets affectionate with him, he rarely does it to me and never does it to my dad. It's very odd. We are experienced border collie owners, and we've never really had a dog do this before. He's also food aggressive, level three, and aggressive towards strangers. Otherwise, he's wonderful. Wow. What's to be done? That's a lot of aggression there. Yeah, Ooh. I know. I know food aggression. The resource guarding my dog does that, and that's scary to to hear. Yeah. See, he gets aggressive, submissive. I don't know what the submissive well, part what, what of that is. is. That, was it, what? See, that's that's all of this. That's like this calm, submissive, aggressive, submissive. It's like a human you know, thing. It, it's all of these buzzwords now that have gained in popularity that actually mean nothing at all. <laughs> There's no such thing as calm submission. Hold me down and see and restrain me and see how calmly submissive I am. <laughs> when a dog is submitting, it's in a state of heightened stress. So, therefore, it is not calm. It might look calm on the outside, but it is not on the inside. Studies have shown this and have, have uh, we know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that the stress levels are higher in a dog that's submitting. So, he gets aggressive, submissive, makes a moany, growly noise, shows teeth. This isn't being aggressive, submissive. This is just being aggressive. Okay? Take the submission out of that. When my mom gets affectionate with him, this is a dog that I think does is controlling movement. So controlling being touched. Some dogs don't like being touched. Some dogs like to control how you touch them. Some dogs are very skin sensitive, feel pain when you touch them, and then they growl to get you off them. This dog is growling and saying one thing and one thing only. Go away. Leave me alone. Don't touch me. That ain't been submissive. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's communicating to you. He rarely does it to me, never does it to my dad. So that shows me then it potentially is not a skin sensitivity issue because if it was, then he'd be doing it to everybody. Mm -hmm. Something about mom that he doesn't like, so I think he's controlling, all right? He's controlling her touch. It's odd. Yes, it's very strange. And they say they're experienced border collie owners, never had a dog do this before. But... They obviously know a level three food aggression. Level three is, if if this is on the sort of the Dr. Ian Dunbar bite scale, level three is pretty severe. Mm-hmm. And he's aggressive towards strange. Otherwise, he's wonderful. Oh, yes. <laughs> so aggressive. So this dog obviously has issues. And the root of aggression is fear. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever you, labels of aggression you want to do, territorial aggression, resource guarding, whatever, it's fear. And why is it fear? Because... You are fearful that you are, you have to guard an object because if it gets taken away from you, that is your loss of comfort, your loss of pleasure. You are fearful that your food is going to be taken away from you because if it is, that's loss of pleasure and uh, your ability to survive. You are, um, fearful that somebody comes onto your territory because if they do, that could be threatening to yourself or to your to your family, those that are important to you. So you can see whatever labels you give this, the root of aggression is fear. Now, when a dog sees that his aggressive behavior works, i.e. growls at mum, mum backs away, 
He then realizes he's successful. The behavior he employed works. So therefore, he's going to do it again and again. So now you've reinforced his behavior. He's going to he's going to continue to do it. But why is he doing it? It's something about mum that he doesn't like. And I think that is when aggression starts to kind of go from that fear to, hey, I know I can control the situation now. Something does makes me feel uncomfortable with her being in my presence or being being close to me, touching me. I'm going to control her now. And that's where we get the controlling aggression. People like to label it dominance aggression. But dominance has been a word that has been so misused and so misunderstood for so long that I don't like to use that word dominance because dominance implies that the dog is trying to growl and control the environment to be top dog, leader of the pack, run the household, all of that crap, basically. And But the dog is controlling. So I like to use the word control. Now, I would have mum back off completely. And I would have mum be the only person that feeds. Mum be the only person that walks. Mum be the only person that provides toys. So that then now the dog is beginning to see her as the source of everything good in his life. And so that he begins to listen to her more, need her more, and respect her more. And I think he needs to go to training classes with her. I think he needs to do activities with her. Great activity for herding breeds like Border Collies is if you don't have a flock of sheep nearby, and there are many great centers that do where your Border Collie can go and be a Border Collie, there's a great sport called Tribal where a dog can herd big bulls instead of sheep, do some kind of activity. So there's that, that teamwork. And I think if you do that, you're starting to build the relationship. Telling a a growling, aggressive dog off is not a good idea, okay? It's not a good idea because you want that dog to growl at you. You want that dog to warn you. If you keep telling a dog off that's growling at you and you keep telling that dog off, you're essentially saying, do not warn me. Do not warn me. And then the dog doesn't learns not to warn and goes straight to the bite. So don't tell your dog off for growling. Use other ways to stop your dog from growling. All the ways that I've talked about. And you'll find that the dog doesn't do the behavior as much. Strangers is another thing. I think the dog is controlling environment in the house to to who comes in and who goes out. And I think that's because of fear. You need to have a trainer come in and help you. You don't say where you're located. But you're in the United States. If you need to find a trainer, please go to posu.com slash trainers to hopefully find a trainer in your area. And I know in your book, uh, your new book com- coming out uh, March 19th that you can pre-order now, Train Your Dog Positively. You talk a lot about aggression and you have some tips and some resources. This would be a good Bible to have just to refer to it if all of this is overwhelming um, because I've read it and it's really good. So uh, go to positively.com slash book. And you can, books, I'm sorry, plural, and you can pre-order that, train your dog positively. And um, speaking of uh, the dog book, um, I know we want to give some away. We do. And we yes. want you to have them. Some autographed copies. Um, <clears throat> and here's something here. How about this? Okay, so I found, we were looking at earlier, I found uh, a link. Actually, my husband, Sean, sent it to me. He sends me these dog links all day long, which are hilarious. And one of them is all these pictures of these big dogs that don't know they're so big, like they're sitting on someone's lap on a lawn chair and you can barely see the person. All you see is the dog and there's a whole series of them. So we'll put the link on positively.com slash podcast. 
but would be really funny is if you have any pictures of a big dog, take a picture of your dog, a neighbor's dog, whatever. A funny picture could be your neighbor and the dog. Email them to us at positively.com slash. Oh, no. Email them to us at podcast at positively.com. Podcast at positively.com. Send those pictures. And then um, we will send somebody an autographed, personalized book. The funniest funny picture, picture. Yes. is going to win it. And it's yes. just going to make our days, you know, happier and more fun and brighter. So, uh, yeah, make sure to check that out. And if you have any questions, um, ask Victoria questions. Go to Positively.com slash Ask Victoria, and uh, hopefully we can get to your question. I know we've just thrown a ton of websites at you, but if you go to Positively.com and navigate all around, you'll find all the links and everything there. So send us your pictures of your funny big dog pictures, and um, we want to give away a book. We'll do it for two weeks. So scope out the neighborhood, and in two podcasts, we'll give it away, and we'll put the winning picture up on the website with the link and make you famous. The, 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 the website, the link that you that you gave us of those big dogs is just so funny. But we'll put that up. So funny. So you can see it too. Okay. All right. So send us those pictures. Can't wait. That's it, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.